challenges, Lord, we lay it before you tonight. And Lord, Father, we ask that you would come and that you would speak to us. Father, I pray that as Nolan comes and shares, Father, I pray that what you've laid on his heart, Lord, that he would bring it across. Lord, that it would be like a double-edged sword. Lord, that would cut through bone and marrow. Father, that it would come. Lord, that it would divide soul and spirit. And Father, that Lord, that it would bring freedom in each one of us. Lord, freedom in our lives, Lord, so that we can move and step into what you have for us. And so, Father, as we lay ourselves before you tonight, Lord, Father, we pray for breakthrough in the areas of our lives. And Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, good evening, everybody. And yeah, just a special welcome again to Letitia and Roger visiting us as well. They normally come from Durbanville Central. So welcome to you guys. Thanks for visiting. It's lovely to have family with us. And uh, yeah, lovely. So, sure. Um, I really feel what I want to speak to you guys about, guys, about tonight is, is really key for where we are going as a church. And, and it's going to help us solidify and it's going to help us really take us forward as a church and help us understand what we're doing here and why we're here. And I'm, going to, I'm really trying to, to come into the slipstream of where Yaku is going for us and, to, and showing us the way forward for next year. But, so this is more of a something to come and, and add on to what, what was said of last week. Um, so I have to, I'm going to start out with this and I hope you guys hear me on this one, but it's for a guy... It's, it's, I don't know if it's only me, but uh, maybe Ivia, I don't know, maybe some other guys. But when we have to sing about Jesus is beautiful and all of that stuff, it's, in the beginning it was a bit difficult. It's like, you know, it's, it's like your manly side, like this is like, okay, I've got to love this guy now, and it's a bit awkward. You feel a bit weird. So, <laughs> that, that, but I, I've gotten over myself. I, I, I believe he's beautiful, and I, I see him as king of kings, and I see him as beauty, but... But tonight, ladies, I'm going to, you guys are going to be in the spotlight a bit because we're going to be speaking a little bit about warfare and a bit about war. So that's going to be a bit awkward for you guys because you are normally on the, oh, let's be beautiful and, and all of that and, 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 on, and on the softer side of things. So, but I want, to, I want to really encourage you guys that tonight is, is, yeah, tonight is going to be speaking about war. So we're going to see where we, where we go with that. I see some of the ladies are excited for that. So, cool. So we'll start out... Um, but this is a message for everyone, right? It's not just a message for the men or the women. This is really a message for all of us. And hopefully I'll explain that really well. But before I start, question. We're going to speak about God's army. But before we get to God's army, I want to ask you a question about Noddy. Do you guys know who Noddy is? Yes. Cool. Do you know who Noddy is? So where does Noddy keep his army? Up his sleevey. There you go. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so as much as we are a family... Uh, we've been speaking about that quite a bit this year. We've, as much as we are a family and as much as we're a house and we're living stones built into the house, as much as we're a body and we're part of one another and someone is a different part to another one, we are also an army. We are also soldiers of God and we are soldiers in God's house. So in, and I want to start off by saying this. And in Ephesians 6, we read about the armor of God and the, the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and the the shield of faith, and all of that. And why, why then would we need armor if we're not in a fight? Why then do we need armor and a sword and, and, and armor ourselves if we're not in a fight? If the, if the enemy is defeated already, why do we need that? 
clearly he's not defeated yet, but he is defeated to come, if that makes sense. I hope that's clear that he is defeated, the war is won, but the battle is still ongoing. The enemy will be defeated in the last day, but we still have to get there, and that's where we really are. So if it's not clear just yet, we are all conscripted to be into the army of God. So in 1 Peter 5 verses 8, if you guys can put that one up, there you go, thanks guys. So if you have your swords with you, you can take your swords out. And so it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring, roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, we have an adversary. The adversary is the devil. So we have an adversary. We all, I hope that's clear from that. It's not, it's, not a, yeah, it's not a question, it's a statement, right? So I need, I need two volunteers. I need, I need a Jesus. Who's a Jesus here? Who wants to be Jesus? There you go. You got one Jesus. You can come stand in front here for me. Justin's our Jesus. Okay, Jesus, I need you. And when I say, we, you are going to walk in a certain direction. Now I need a follower. Who's a follower of Jesus? Who's a follower of Jesus? Matt. Okay, we'll choose Matt. Matt is a follower of Jesus. So Matt, Matt is a follower of Jesus. He loves Jesus. He's been told he wants to follow Jesus, right? He wants to follow Jesus and do everything that Jesus does. So Jesus, I want you to slowly, not too quickly, but slowly just walk out the door. And Matt, as a good follower, is going to follow Jesus to the door, right? So let's go for it. Matt, you've got to do everything that Jesus does. So if Jesus bends down and picks something up, you should do that. If he, there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Jesus. Oopsie, okay. <laughs> okay, Jesus. Walk, Jesus, Jesus, walk. Okay. <laughs> okay, Matt. Okay, it wasn't supposed to be physical. <laughs> Are you okay there? <laughs> there you go. Okay, there you go. So, so what's the point? What's the point of the story? What's the point of the story? You've got an adversary, right? You've got, an, you've got someone against you who's preventing you from trying to follow Jesus. Matthew was walking, and he was doing a great job, and he was walking, but suddenly, suddenly he got attacked. Suddenly he came out of nowhere, and he, he got attacked. So I think we'll leave the second part of the story out. We might have injured people. <laughs> okay, so Matt, come here. I wanna, Jesus, come stand by me. I want you to, we're going to do this again, but this time I'm going to ask you, I'm going to just give you a couple of tips. So just one second. So Jesus, you did a good job. I want you to do that just now, and when I give the call, I want you to walk out the door again, and Matt, you're going to follow him again. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Okay, there you go. Jesus, go for it. Go, go do your walk, Jesus. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> okay, cool. There you go, there you go. Well done. There you go. Victory, victory. Awesome, there you go, wonderful. Wonderful, so, what's the point of the story? What's the point? I mean, there's an enemy, there's an enemy who's trying to stop us. There's an enemy who wants us not to succeed, right? But the point is, thank you, Jesus. Well, good work, good job. Thank you, thank you, Matt, you're a good follower, and you, you listened well, and you followed instructions, they're very good. So, when Matt 
brought people around him, when he had the Holy Spirit with him, when he brought accountability partners with him, when he brought uh, his fellow soldiers with him to walk and to fight with him, he was able to overcome. On his own, there was still, there was still, um, there was still uh, resistance, right? It wasn't that suddenly the devil and, and his armies and all of that stuff disappeared, but it was much, much easier with people than alone. So what's the point? Matt's sweating is. <laughs> What's the point? The point is you, got, you can't do this alone. We are, we are not soldiers on our own. We are soldiers as part of God's army. So what enemy are we fighting? I've got a list of things here, guys. So excuse me, I'm going to read the list. So if you don't mind, I don't want to miss anything. So the first one is the devil. He, he, who is this enemy? He comes with multiple names. And the first name is the devil or the Satan. He is the evil one. He is the tempter. He is the destroyer. He is the deceiver. He is the great dragon who deceives the whole world. He is the ancient serpent, serpent who leads the whole world astray. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience. He is the God of this world that has entered the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the glory of Christ who is made in the image of God. He is the prince of the world, as we've said, and that prince name is, 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 a, is Archon, which basically means it's the highest ranking official in the whole region. So in other words, if he's the prince of this world, he's the highest ranking official in the whole world. Therefore, he is the most influential, most powerful creature in this world. He drifted from the, from the charge that God gave him. So God gave him a very specific charge, and he said, you're going to lead the lead the worship. He's going to be an angel, and he's going to lead the worship, but he's drifted from that position, and he tried to raise and steal the power from God to his own. He uses all his skill, all his intellect, to tempt human beings into spiritual death. He rebelled against God, and he tried to usurp the authority of God and God's rule, and he seized the throne of the world from God. He's enlisting as many possible people against God's people to fight against them, Anyone who would follow him to, follow, to pull people away from God. He's behind all the evil in the whole world. All history, he is, he is the source of all evil behind everything that has happened. Since he motivated, he is the source of all evil. His main goal is death. His main goal is to kill. In John 8 verses 44. We read the following. John 8, verse 44. You are the father of the devil. So, you are the father of the devil. Sorry. You are, you are of your father, the devil. Sorry. <laughs> you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do the father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. So his purpose is on this earth to come, to kill, steal, and destroy. In John, verses 10, in John 10, verses 10, we read, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is anti-order, and he's pro-chaos. He's anti-life, and he's pro-death. He is anti-God and pro himself. He's anti-life and pro-death. He wants to wreck your life. He wants to break down 
communities. He wants to break down um, generations, and he wants to take as many people with him as he can. So does it feel like you're in a war yet? Does this feel like something you're familiar with? Do you guys live this from day to day? Do you feel it in your lives? This is what being a follower of Jesus feels like. You feel like you're being torn. It feels like every day you want to do something. Constantly you feel in, in disarray. You feel like you're, you've been torn the whole time into two places. You desire to love, but you've got lust. You want to be honest and you want to do the right thing. You want, but on the other hand, you want to save face and look good to other people in the room. You don't want to admit your faults and your mistakes. You want to have self-control and you want to do those things that are right and you don't want to do the things that you shouldn't be doing like eating that extra biscuit or eating that extra croissant, but you, but you fall and you indulge. You want to have faith and you want to believe in God and you want to love Him with everything that you have, but on the other hand, you also want to be independent and you want to do your own thing. And you don't want to listen to God and you don't want to do what He says. So there's no way out. We are in this thing. We are in a war. We're in multiple battles, but we are in a war. There are no sides in this war, or there's no, sorry, there are no sideline jobs in this war, and there are only two sides. There's no neutral ground on this whole earth. Every single square is taken up for a fight. It is, it's claimed by God and it's counterclaimed by Satan. How does, and the problem with this is, how does Satan fight? He doesn't fight fair. He doesn't fight in the open and fight, fight fair. He fights and he comes with, with lies. We'll speak a little bit about that later. So this is not an enemy to be trifled with. This is not someone to be taken lightly. He's had thousands and thousands of years of experience. And you're not going to do it on your own. And hopefully our little depiction showed that as well. We need to know who this enemy is and we need to know how to fight him effectively. So there's three ways, I think, that, that we can be effective in fighting him. The first one is we should be following, following leaders. There should be leadership. The second one is we should fight him effectively with the correct, in the correct manner. And the third one is obviously not to do it on your own, as we've, we've discussed as well. So there's really three enemies, right? If, even though there's Satan, the Satan and he is the chief and he's the, the, the ruler, but there's also two other enemies. And the second enemy is really... When, I don't know, maybe Matt's not a good example, but, but maybe Justin, when you were here, you kind of felt people's eyes on you and you kind of felt like you're being judged and people are looking at you weird. So if you're not part of, of, part of, the, uh, part of the army, you're part of his army, you're part of the devil's army. So we also fight against the world and the corruption of the world. We don't fight the world themselves, but we obviously fight the spirit behind the world. And then there's yourself. And I think we've spoken about that as well already with your own internal desires and your and your lusts and your, and your indulgences. So there's kind of three enemies that we need to fight, but we're primarily going to look at fighting, fighting Satan tonight. So the first point is to follow your leader. So the old, I'm going to maybe just take one step back very quickly uh, and just explain uh, just some, some text quickly. So in the old, the old is... There's a saying that says the old is revealed in the new and the new is hidden in the old. So in other words, when we read something in the Old Testament, we can actually find Jesus hidden in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament where Jesus comes, he actually reveals himself in the New Testament. So, um, so why am I saying that? I'm just going to just 
speak a little bit about the story about when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they came through the desert and they crossed the Jordan and uh, Joshua brought them over, over the, um, over the river, uh, the, the, uh, what's the river again? The Jordan, thank you, thank you, <laughs> over the Jordan River. And so, so they had to come and they had to cross over the Jordan River. Um, the thing is, once they had crossed over the river and they were into the promised land, they still had to fight. There was still a fight that they had to do, and that is very much the same for us. So in Joshua 14, verses 12, we read that, that Caleb, at this stage being a rather stately gentleman, I guess he must have been about 90 or so, um, says, So now give me the hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there. I don't know who those dudes are, but clearly bad guys. Um, they, were, they, were, they have great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord, uh, it, it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out as the Lord has said. So in other words, when we come out of our Egypt, when we leave the world, because Egypt is a picture of the world, when we leave the world and we cross the Jordan and we're going into what God has promised us, it's not to say that it's going to be smooth sailing. It's not going to be that we're just going to do everything. There are still hill countries that we need to take, and we need to take them together. So we can't do that on our own. We need leaders. And in Exodus 18 verses 21, God shows us a little bit about how he sees his leadership and how he does things. And I just want to point this out because I think it's important that we see there's different kinds of leadership and where we're falling in and, and what kind of army are we. So it says, moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God and who are trustworthy and hate to bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. So in other words, what God is doing here is he's saying, order my army, put order into this thing, know who you're reporting to, know where you're going, have someone who's going to tell you what to do, have accountability have structure in your life. Have structure in the army. It's not just going out and doing whatever you want to do. Is the leader of a thousand better than that the leader than the leader of the tens? No. They just have a different job. In fact, the leader of the tens probably is more important in God's eyes. Anyway, we've spoken about that before. So be servant of all. And if you can be the servant of all, then you can be yeah, then you are great in God's eyes. So somebody who is in a less, more, lesser position is, is often more important. But the leader of tens is, in my view, that's your community leader. Those are the small groups that you guys are in. Those are the people that you are living with and leading, living with, right? And the leaders of 50s are the, are the larger groups and, then, and so on and so on. So God has put you into a community group to, take, to, to fight in that community group, that small, well-known, organized little unit. So if that is the case and we have leaders over us, how do we respond to these leaders? And I think this is really what, some of what I want to speak about now, is how do we respond to a leader? So a leader will tell us, for example, let's go take that hill. How do we respond to that? I think the first thing we should not do is we should not be too quick to criticize. If you believe that God has put that leader over your life, then we should also believe that we, the leader is hearing from God and is taking us in a certain direction for a certain reason. Yes, leaders can make mistakes, and I'm not saying that we should just let leaders run rampant because there should be accountability and they should be 
reporting back to someone. So it's not just like leaders can do whatever they want. So if a leader is over you and the leader is asking you to do something, take that as God speaking to you through the leader. So don't be too quick to criticize. And let's take a, a practical example. So let's say you don't agree with something that the leader is asking you to do. Don't say, hey, why do you do that? And like come all arrogant and, and prideful. Rather say, I don't understand what you did there. Please explain to me. I'd like to understand why this has happened like it has. It's just, it's just it's a, it's a position of humbleness that you're coming and presenting yourself to the leader so that you can make being led a joy. However, obviously, if there are genuine concerns, don't just keep quiet. Please bring them up because, as I've mentioned, leaders are all, we're all just humans as well, and we can, we can uh, make mistakes as well. Leaders will ask you to do difficult things, and I think if you've been in this church long enough, hopefully somebody has asked you to do difficult things because when people ask you to do difficult things, they're actually stretching you and growing you. We are not here to sit and to, to keep a seat warm and to be a pew warmer. So if you've been here a while and you haven't been asked, know that someone is going to ask you to do something difficult. Know that they're going to stretch you. Know that someone is going to say, hey, I see this on your life. I think you need to change this. I think you need to do this. And that is, that is part of growing. That is part of, of being part of this army. You can't just sit back and not train yourself and not equip yourself. You need to be stretched to grow, but sometimes you also need to be pruned. Sometimes a leader needs to come and say, hey, cut this out of your life. This is not useful. This is not good. And pruning, we've got a bunch of farmers here. I'm sure they could explain it way better than me. But pruning is actually for growth. Pruning is better for the tree in the long run because it's actually putting the energy in the right place. Rather than letting the tree just do it at once, the farmer knows what he's doing and he prunes those things that are not useful. Sometimes when the tree is young, we need to bend the tree in a certain direction. We need it to grow in the right direction for whatever reason. So you might need to be bent as well. And the older you are and the more set in your ways you are, the more difficult it is going to be to bend that hard branch. So be supple. Be willing to bend. Be willing to hear God's voice through your leaders for yourself. So leaders may also have a vision that you have not seen yet. As I mentioned, perhaps a leader will say, let's go take that hill. And you're like, why must we do that? That doesn't sound like any fun. That's not cool. Why do we need to do that? The leader has a vision that maybe he's not able to articulate well, but God is telling him, this is the route that we need to go, and this is where we want to go. So a leader will organize us up into, into, into groups, and hopefully we've done that and put you into community groups and, pe and put people around you to love you. But in, uh, So let's take a practical ex example of taking a hill. I'm speaking a little bit in, in uh, Christianese, right? So what does it mean to take a hill? Sometimes we would say, please go to this meeting. The gathering is important, guys. Go to the gathering. Make every effort to be at the gathering. That's what it means to take that hill. Because when we go, we take that hill with each other. We don't stop. We don't say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not part of this army anymore. I'm going to sit at home and, and relax. We're taking that hill and we're fighting a battle. Perhaps we say, let's pray for someone. And we were praying for MC, right? When we ask you guys to pray for MC, did you guys actually make it part of your life to really pray for her? For those who don't know, MC is Andrew Selly's wife, and she's recently received a kidney transplant. So we were praying for her and praying for her health. So did you guys really take that up as, an, as a, something serious in your prayer life to go and pray for? Because that's the, your leader asking you to say, we're taking that thing, we are going there, we are praying in faith with God that we are taking this hill. 
that is an example of how we take the hill spiritually. So how, how then do we fight? How then do we fight? There's a couple of things that, that I would like to speak about fighting. But first, before we fight, we need to know, how the, we need to know our enemy. And I want to just very briefly explain how the enemy fights. Um, so the first thing the enemy would do is he would tempt you. That's the first thing he would do. He's trying to tempt you into something that you shouldn't do. So he'll bring, he'll bring temptation into your life. Let's use the croissant example again. That croissant, you know you shouldn't be eating the croissant. You've had enough food. You don't need that. But he'll tempt you, and you'll eat that croissant. So that's the first thing he does. Then the next thing he does is he brings guilt on you. Then he says, ah, you suck. You ate that croissant. You know you shouldn't do it. Why did you do it? You can't resist. You suck. Stop. You know, you can't do this on your own. Why don't just give up and just eat 10 croissants? Go for it. What the heck? Just go, go. doesn't matter. That's how, anyway. I don't, is anyone here like that? I'm like that. I'm like that. Yeah, exactly. It's like a, you're indulging yourself, you're indulging your flesh. That's, that's what happens. That's how he works. And then he brings, now he brings the guilt on you. Now you're feeling like, oh, man, I, I, I do suck. I don't have any strength. I am not worth it. Then what he brings is the shame. And then the shame is actually to try and hide what you've done away from others. Then you don't tell anyone, hey, man, I've got a croissant problem. Please help me. <laughs> Suddenly, it will start showing after a while. But that's the problem, right? You bring the shame of you, and you're not going to deal with it. Because you're trying to hide something, it's not in the light. And because it's not in the light, we don't, we don't get victory over it. We need to bring that into the light to get victory over it. So that's kind of how, how Satan works. But how do we fight? What do we fight with? So in Ephesians 6, verses 12, we read here, for we do not wrestle against flesh or blood, but we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So we are not fighting people, and I've often heard it said, you don't fight the person, but you are fight the spirit behind the person. So if you are, if you are coming to bring correction to someone, you're not bringing correction to the person per se, but you are trying to actually fight the thing that's holding them captivity behind them. So be, be aware that we, there are spiritual powers, there are, in, there are heavenly forces that are around us all the time. So one of the things that, that we can do is obviously prayer. Excuse me. And the first type of prayer that I want to mention is um, intercession. So what does intercession mean? Intercession really means praying for someone praying in the place of someone and actually coming and and actually praying for that person. So what did we do for MC this week? We were interceding on her behalf. Yaku, I don't know if you want to mention that interceding thing now, or do you want to mention it later? Cool. So Yaku just mentioned something about intercession a bit earlier, and I thought maybe he can just uh, just bring it up quickly. So in a time of worship, uh I just I got reminded about the in scripture I was looking in, in Daniel for it but I couldn't find it where Daniel was busy praying and interceding and asking the Lord for an answer and it was almost like it just it didn't want to come it didn't want to come and eventually the angel of the Lord actually came to him and he said to him I was on my way to you with my answer but the prince was fighting against me the enemy was fighting against me because and it took me 40 days to break through 
And it's almost like, you know, I, I felt in the worship that there's a lot of us here tonight where, where we've been asking the Lord to speak to us. And we're saying, Lord, we need breakthrough in areas. Lord, we need you to come. But it feels like the enemy has just been stopping us. It's, it's like it just doesn't want to come. The breakthrough doesn't want to come. And, and it's like that intercession that we've got to continue and we've got to fight through it. And we've got to be like, Lord, come. I need you to break through for me. Thank you. So that's intercession, right? And just another story that came to me while, I was, uh, while, we, while we were in worship as well is uh, there was a battle and Moses had to hold his hands up in the battle. And he had two guys holding his, his arms up, Aaron and Ur. No? Ur. What's his name? Ur, something like that. <laughs> Ur. And, and if, if he let his arms down, they would lose the battle. But if he kept his arms up, he would, he, would, uh, he would win the battle. And that's kind of a picture of intercession, that we are holding our hands up and we are praying to God to, to win the battle on our behalf. Again, it's not our strength that is winning the battle. Then there's corporate prayer. So what is corporate prayer? That is really when we get together as a group of people and pray. So we do have Friday morning prayer meetings where we get together and we pray. What do we pray for? We pray for our area. We pray for, um, we pray for breakthrough in people's lives. We pray for... Um, we pray, for, we pray for salvations. We pray for our leaders. We pray for a whole bunch of things. But really what that is, is a spiritual warfare together fighting for something that God wants, that, that God has laid on our hearts. And we're coming together, fighting together to pray. Then you obviously get your individual prayer, and that's probably something more personal prayer. Um, in this time, you also intercede, etc., etc. Then the next way that we can fight as well is in worship. So what were we doing today? When we were up here, and that's one of the reasons, by the way, that we come up. When we come to stand up in the front, what are we doing? We are saying, I am standing up, I'm being active, I'm coming to worship, I'm coming to warfare in the Spirit. So when we're singing words, we're not just simply singing words, but we are actually singing to spiritual powers to say, yes, God is the King of Kings and He does reign forever. We are declaring God's Word in the here on earth, but also in the heavenlies. We're actually warfaring together when we worship. Yes, the songs are nice and they're beautiful, but more than that, we are really worship. We're actually warfaring. We're actually fighting a fighter. Sometimes you guys can feel it. Sometimes I can feel it up front. Sometimes I can feel there's resistance, and sometimes we're just not breaking through, and there's something that we need to do to break through. So there's some resistance that, God, that, 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 that's, that, that there is just in in the air, or I don't know how that works, but I can feel it. I can feel that we're a step away from breakthrough. We're a step away from getting through where, we, where God wants us to be. We're a step actually away from being in His throne room, and we need to push through and walk, walk, walk through that. Then the next one is obviously using the Word of God. Using the Word of God, learning the Word of God, and actually having that sword by your side, and that's how we fight. And we'll speak about that a little bit more in a bit of detail. If we turn to, and I actually want to, yeah, I'm going to speak about it in a bit more detail. So let's turn to Revelation 1, verses 12 to 18. It's a little bit of a long passage, so bear with me, guys. But I, I want to pick up a couple of things in here which I felt the Lord show me and, and say, this is how I fight. And I think if we learn how Jesus fights, we can also fight. So I, I had to bring a little bit of picture into this, so it's a little bit longer than just the, the word. So... Uh, that I wanted to do, but it will just give you a little bit of context of where this is coming from. 
So this is obviously a revelation. And yeah. then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstand, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. His hairs on his head were white, like wool, like snow. His eyes were like flame, flames of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace, and his voice was that like a roaring many, like a roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him I fell on my feet as though dead, but he said but he laid his right hand on, on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold I am alive evermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. So what do we see here? This doesn't look like the little lamb of God. This is a mighty warrior. This is someone who you see and you fall down as though dead. That is who he is. That is a mighty warrior. That is not someone to be trifled with. But the thing that I really want to point out is really, and, and Yaku sp spoke about it earlier as well, he prayed about it earlier as well, is the, the double-edged sword that comes out of his mouth. So the picture there for me is the sword is coming out of his mouth, and we know that the sword is the word of truth. So it's actually a picture of Jesus speaking the word of truth. So the, 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 the sword that we speak about there is a double-edged sword, and it's a really sharp sword. So one of the things that happens with a really sharp sword is like a scalpel. It's that sharp. And a scalpel is actually there to heal, believe it or not. It's actually there to cut out and to cut away the things that are wrong. So what he's saying here in the picture is that he's actually come to cut us with his, with his words. And those are the words of truth. But obviously, he also comes in a different way to use the double-edged sword. And let's speak about that quickly. In Luke 4, verses 1 to 4. And over here, we see Jesus has just um, been baptized, and he is going into the desert for 40 days, and he's going to be tempted by, by Satan himself. So, so Jesus is on the earth now, and he is fully human, just like we are, and he's tempted in each and every way that we are tempted in. And Jesus said, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. That's interesting. I know we spoke about that earlier this year as well. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, f knowing full well what is going to come in the, in the wilderness. Now, sometimes we think he's not going to lead us into trouble. But, yeah, that doesn't always work that way. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And that's an understatement. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of Man, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered to him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. So what did Jesus do here? He uses his mouth as the word of truth, as a double-edged sword, to come and to defeat the enemy and actually put him in his place. So I believe this is a, true, a big, big key for us as a congregation, is to speak truth and to speak life over each other. So one thing I actually want to ask you guys, and this is a call to action. One thing I want to ask you guys is write, go home during your quiet time this week. Go home, write down those lies that you believe about yourself. Take your journal, take a piece of paper, take your iPad or whatever you have, wherever you make your notes. Go and write down those lies that, 
that the devil has been speaking to you about your life, then go take the word of God and go and read the truth about that over your life. And next to that lie, go and write down the word of truth that God has put on your life. That way, we're going to use the sword of truth to fight the devil. I do just have a very quick caution that we should not get distracted. It's very easy for us to become distracted in this war, and we can start fighting the wrong things. Um, so in, in 2 Timothy, verses 2, 3 to 4, it says, Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And um, so we shouldn't, we sh our eyes should not be taken off the true enemy. Our eyes should be always on the one that we are fighting. We should not get distracted by civilian affairs. So what does that really mean? We don't need to get involved in all the stuff that's going on around us in the world. We know what, what we are fighting with. Anyway, we can speak about the, the details of that at some point as well. But Maurice brought a, a prophetic word in which I want to share with you guys, and I think it leads into this piece as well, is what, is, what does it mean not to get distracted? Uh, and Maurice felt that was like there's like a Trojan horse that is waiting outside the gates, outside the church, and that wants to come in. And the Trojan horse, as you all know, held enemies inside. So when the enemy comes inside, they actually just come in, they actually destroy us from the inside. But what I really felt was that we shouldn't fight against one another. We shouldn't be arguing and fighting with us inside the church. We should understand who we're fighting against, and we should be aware of who that is, and we should, we should care and love for, each other, for one another within the army. If we're fighting between ourselves, Satan is happily laughing because he doesn't have to fight. We're doing his work for him. So it's just, a, I think, just a, a caution there for us. Then finally, we shouldn't fight alone. And hopefully this is clear by now. Our picture earlier, when Jesus was busy walking, Jesus was happily walking along, but our follower had a real difficult time when he was on his own. He nearly killed some innocent civilians on the <laughs> in the process. But it was, a, it was a very, very tough walk, and he didn't make it. But when he brought people around him, when he had the Holy Spirit with him, when he had uh, those around him to lead him and guide him and to speak into his life, he was able to much easier actually follow Jesus. And that's really what I want to encourage us to do. So I've asked you guys already to go and write down those lies that you have and go and write down the word that is next to you. The next thing I want to ask you guys is to go and take that word. Go and take that and sit with somebody who you trust Go speak to your accountability partner. Work through those things with that person. Go and speak to them and say, this is the lie that I believe over my life. This is the truth. Let's pray about this, please. Now, I'm asking you guys to do something quite, quite difficult, and it's maybe not that easy, but I just want to encourage you guys that those relationships do come over time. But you do need to make an effort to go and see that. And I want to commend Colin for pushing in and actually making a plan and coming to see me. Yaku divided us up a couple of weeks ago into accountability partners, and, and Colin really pushed in, and he came and he said, hey, I really want to have a coffee with you. So what, what did we end up doing? We just ended up chatting. We ended up speaking into each other's lives, speaking into situations in each other's lives. And it wasn't a heavy, like, you've got to do this and change this and do that. It was more just a, 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 a building of a friendship and a building of, of, an, of two brothers in, in arms, right? So why did, yeah, so we really need to, to seek each other and to, 
and to look out for one another in that way. So in conclusion, we're fighting a spiritual battle. We're fighting a battle that is battled very differently to what we, th what we think is going to be. The victory is going to be very different to what I think we think it's going to be like. When, uh, when the Jews were welcoming Jesus into, into Jerusalem just before, just at the Passover, they had this idea that he was going to be their savior. They thought that he's going to come and he's going to destroy Rome, that he's going to give them freedom from Rome. But the victory that he was actually bringing was something way, way different than just the victory over a, an earthly enemy. He was coming to defeat death. And he was coming to defeat death by dying on a cross. And it's completely different to the way that they thought it was. So when we're singing to him, what do we sing? What, what, what do we ask for in our victories? Are we asking, and hear me rightly, are we asking for victories in our financial situation? Or are we asking him for victory in these things that we're struggling with? Are we trying to find the root of what we're actually struggling with? Or are we actually just looking for an easy way out? Are we asking for a victory for ourselves? Are we asking for, or are we asking for a victory for our family, for, for him to come and break through into our lives? And when he breaks through into our lives, how does that look? So I believe, uh, I believe that Jesus not only wants to come and break through, but once he's broken through in your life, I believe he wants to fill you up and break out. He wants to come and break out and actually go out into the, into the nations and to go and take the nations and go and be a warrior for him. So we fight the devil. We fight his followers who are the world. And then we fight our own selfish flesh. It's not an easy task and we're not going to do it alone. Um, yeah. um, so, as I mentioned, Tarin and I prayed for church this morning and, and we really felt that story about uh, people who carried the ten lambs. And it says some were wise and they took more oil and some were unwise or foolish and they didn't have enough oil. And then the bra, the groom was actually late for the wedding so they had to sleep or they, f they, they fell asleep. And, some, and they waited and then they woke up but some didn't have enough oil for the journey. And, and the question is, do we have enough oil when... As Jakob mentioned, when, when the angel is fighting the prince of evil, or when Jesus is not arriving at our time, do we have enough oil in our lamps to, 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 end, to carry on with the journey and, and, and actually go to Jesus? Because the guys who didn't have oil, or the brides, actually, Jesus said, I don't know who you are. And it's, yeah, it's scary. So for me, that is, is really just a, a vision of being prepared. Are you prepared? Are you, are you prepared and, and do you have, are you filled with the Word of God? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Cool. So let's close our eyes, guys. So I want to ask you guys, are you, the first thing I need to ask is, are you in the army? So with, yeah, with every eye closed and, are you in the army? Are you actually, are you, are you part of God's army? Because it clearly says that you're either part of His army or you, you're either the son of God or you're the son of the father of liars. So the first question I just want to ask is, are you in the army? Have you said, yes, Lord, I'm in the army? 
Is there anyone who's not in the army who wants to join, who's, not, who's tired of fighting against, or is tired of being part of this, this, this world and wants to, wants to be part of the, the vision that God has given them, the, the life that God has given them, and the, the, the lifeblood that He has? Then the, question, the next question I have is if I believe then everyone is in the army. The next question that I have then is, are you in the fight? Are you in the fight? Are you part of the army, but you are perhaps, are you perhaps tired? Are you perhaps running low? Are you perhaps feeling that your, your lamp is running out of oil? Let's have a couple of scriptures here that also comes out of Revelation. And it says, To the one who conquers and who keeps my word, my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. To the one who conquers, I grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on it. To the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down on my father on the throne. So God is asking us to conquer. He's not asking us to sit back and to, to take it easy and just to be on for the ride. So perhaps, maybe there's some of you guys who are wounded here today. Perhaps you have been in the fight for a long time, but you're wounded. Perhaps you're fighting your brother and rather than the enemy. Perhaps you're tired and need refreshing and need a filling up. Maybe I can just ask you guys to stand. Yeah, let's just pray together as we stand. You guys can stand with me if you don't mind. So let's, as the army of God, let's stand and, and let's pray together. If there's anyone who needs, who needs prayer, come to the front and we'll pray with you. Come to the front and we'll pray. If you're a wounded soldier and you need, you need some time off the front lines, perhaps you need prayer for someone to come to come alongside you and to pull alongside you. Perhaps you don't know how to do this. Perhaps you've been doing this for a long time on your own. Come to the front and we'll pray for you. Amen. I know Lord just felt... Um, something that you wanted to share as well and I think it really ties in with what what we've been feeling tonight 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 6 stay alert and be clear-headed let us who live in the light be clear-headed protected by the armor of faith and love wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. And I just I just really just felt as well like the, the word that I that I felt about Daniel that there's there's many of us who's been praying for breakthrough in things in our lives and it just feels like it's not coming. And if you're one of those guys tonight that we you've almost given up and you're like, Lord, I don't know. It just feels like it doesn't want to happen. We want to pray for you as well. We want to pray for you. And that what Evie was talking about is that, that sometimes our lamp runs low. 
But that's why God has given us church family, so that they can help us fill our lamp, to show us how, because that is family. And if you are in that place and you've been praying for a long time for a family member to get saved, you've been praying, asking the Lord for breakthrough in, a certain, in, in areas in your life of setting you free, come up, let's pray for you. Don't let the opportunity pass. In John 7, Jesus at the last day of the feast, Jesus cried out and said, Anyone thirst, then come to me and drink, and out of his belly shall, shall flow rivers of living water. And of this he was speaking of the Spirit, but not just the Spirit of God. Because the one who said this, in, in John 1 he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God working together in us. We need the Word of God so that the, the Holy Spirit within us can use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And I just cry out to you, Lord, help us to understand this. It's not about us, it's about you, about your, your life within us, the Holy Spirit within us, living in us, Lord, leading us, guiding us giving us strength within. We cannot do it on our own, Lord. And you are the one, Lord, your Holy Spirit that joined us together, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, one who is loved beyond all other things. We just thank you for that, Father. Yes, thank you, Lord. So for those who are not in the front, pray in the Spirit. Warfare now for these people up front here. Pray over them. Pray life over them. Stretch out your hands and pray life over these people in the front here. Pray for breakthrough in their lives. Yes, Lord. Thank you for breakthrough in people's lives. Thank you that you are the chief. Thank you that you are the commander, Lord, that you command your armies. Lord, I pray that you'd send us from here as your army this week and to take ground for you, that we won't be back-footed, but we would be front-footed and take, take the land for you, Lord. Yeah, Lord, thank you for chains that are breaking of people right now. Thank you that you are setting people free. Thank you that in the Spirit, as we pray, that you are working, that you are making changes in people's lives, even though we can't see it here in the physical, but in the spiritual, there is warfare going on right now, Lord, that we are winning the battle, that you are winning, and we are in your step. Thank you, Lord, that we can be part of your army. Lord, I pray that you give each and every one of us, just fill us with your Spirit, Lord, that we would not that we would not grow weary, but that we would continue in you, that we would continue fighting in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So the meeting is officially over. You guys are welcome to grab some coffee at the back, spend some time with uh, your fellow soldiers, and find out where they are. Have a wonderful week, everyone. And don't forget to write down your... your lies. Amen, guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you through the week. Amen.